so as you may know, we've been uh, in this uh, series called Frequency. We're tuning in to hear God's voice. And uh, I'm, I'm so really thrilled at this series because it's making us hungry, right? It's making us thirsty for God's voice to be strong in our lives. And I think um, that's the purpose of it. And so, um, you know, and we're all learning. I, I just want to emphasize that we're all in a, in a process. When we teach our kids, you know, how to listen to us, right? It's a process. It's a journey. They hear what we say or they sign to tune us out, but we teach them to listen to our voice as a parent. And I think it's the same with God. He's teaching us to listen to him, listen to what he's saying. And, and it's not like you can be instantly like brilliant at it. You're, you, there's a growth process. This week I was reminded of this idea when I, um, I had an accident that um, happened to me. I was, you know, there's, there's this process by which we all kind of get rid of our trash. I don't know, I was, I was getting ready to take the trash cans to the curb. All right, I'm getting ready to take the trash cans to the curb. And what's the problem with taking the trash cans to the curb? There's not enough room in the can for all of our trash. So I'm taking, you know, I've got big bags out here. And I'm like trying to, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to like try to shove this thing down in. I'm trying to get the trash in the, the can. And I can't get the lid closed. And so, so I think to myself, I'll just get up and jump up and down on it. Come on, don't look at me like you've never jumped up and down on your trash can. You climb in and you jump up and down on the can and you mash it down, then you put your last two bags in and then you go put it out on the curb. So I have this normal, I have this normal process where I, where I step up on the can and I grab onto this, the, the rail of the garage door and where my cans usually sit. And so I, I, but to this particular day, my garage is in a state of overhaul. I'm like, I'm like cleaning stuff out and everything's like moving and we're trying to deal with all our stuff. And so it's in the middle of the garage right next to the door. So I don't have anything to step up on. So there's a chair and I get a chair and I take it and I put it right in front of the, the, the can and I get up on the seat of the can and I'm okay. And I can't quite, you know, I'm like getting older. I can't quite lift my leg up into, so I, so I step up on the, like the, the arm rail, the arm you know it's coming, don't you? I step up on the arm rail, and I'm, I'm, I've done it. I've done it hundreds of times. You just kind of step, and you kind of balance, and, and, then you, and then you get in. And but this particular time, I step up, I get my balance, and then suddenly, nope, I don't. And the chair goes out from under me, and I hit the ground hard. I can feel all my breath, all the air going out of my body. I'm laying there like, knock the wind totally out of me and it really hurt my first thought was did anyone see that <laughs> did, did anyone see it? I'm, I'm, I'm standing right in front of my garage I'm, I'm like did anyone see that but I, I that my second thought though is did I break anything what did I do to myself and so I'm because I'm, I noticed first of all that I had a I had blood dripping down check that out Chicks dig scars. <laughs> Not my wife. Not my wife. I finally can get up. I walk in the house, and I'm kind of clutching my side, and just blood dripping down my arm. And she's like, what did you do? Like, she's mad at me, you know? Because she gets mad when I get hurt. 
So she's like, the first thing, she practically doesn't even, I mean, barely gets to trying to get me something to wipe the blood. She's like, you're too old to do that. I'm like, thanks, babe. It's awesome. Sadly, she's probably right. No more getting up on a chair and trying to balance on the armrests. Uh, yes, exactly. So, uh, so I've, I, I, I had to go to the doctor, and he says I, I likely have a, f- a fractured rib, like a, just a hairline fracture. So it's been hurting all week. So if I laugh, it hurts. If I twist, it hurts. If I sing, it hurts. If I preach, it, it, it's going to hurt. But <laughs> the anointing will come, and it'll be okay. God's spirit will be here, and um, and so and so. I, but I, that made me think this week about how you know I need to learn to listen to that little voice that says, "Don't do it. Don't do it. You're too old." <laughs> and and so I, I I think it's important for you to understand your pastor's still learning. We're all still learning. Nobody has this down. This is a process of growing and learning and maturing with God. And so tuning in to hear his voice, we last few weeks we've dealt with a couple of big ideas. This is going to be kind of the third common way that God speaks to us. The first week we talked about the inward witness. The inward witness. And this is the idea that the Holy Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are God's kids and we talked about how important it is to be moving with God, that we are moving toward him and with him, and it's a lot easier for him to begin to steer us, to, to speak to us. But you gotta have a, there's got to be a plan, there's got to be a purpose, you're, you're moving towards him, and then he can begin to, to teach you and train you and redirect you. We talked about how the Apostle Paul tried to go to six cities that he thought he was supposed to share the gospel with, and the Holy Spirit had to keep redirecting him. But the secret is, move with him. Move with what he's already said. Then the second week, we talked about the inner voice. So the inward witness is kind of a witness from the Holy Spirit. The inner voice is similar to the audible voice of God, and you hear it. You hear his voice. You hear him speaking to you. Uh, when you hear the Holy Spirit say something, and sometimes, most of the time, it'll kind of take you off guard because it, it doesn't happen all the time like that. In the scriptures, God didn't speak like that every time. He speaks in different ways. But you want to be open to the inner voice. Ask for wisdom. Don't ask for voices. Ask for wisdom from God. Develop the relationship and be open to his inner voice in your life. And then this week, we're going to talk about something that I think is probably the highest idea. It's the thing we, we most uh, experience when we're trying to hear God's voice. And it is the idea of seeing and perceiving. Seeing and perceiving. We want to see and perceive the will of God for our circumstance. We want to see and perceive the will of God for our lives and what he's trying to do. Turn in your Bibles to Acts 14. If you're using your device, go with us to Acts 10, 14. You'll see it in your message notes as well. But here's what it says. This is the the story of the Apostle Paul again. And he's going to preach the gospel in this place called Lystra. So start in verse 7. Acts 14 says, and they were preaching the gospel there. 
And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple with his mother's womb, who had never, from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. He said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Another translation says he got up and walked around and praised God. He was leaping and walking and praising God. So here you have to understand the apostle was apostle Paul was preaching about Jesus. He was talking about how Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit and with power. He was talking about how Jesus can overcome every work of the enemy, every scheme of the enemy in your life. The apostle Paul was preaching and this man is listening. Romans 10, 17 says faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So this man was receiving faith as he was listening to the apostle Paul preaching. Now you need to understand the context of what was happening here because there was no Christian church in Lystra at this moment in time. There was no place for people to go and hear about Jesus. Uh, so, So the apostle Paul was out in the streets and he was speaking to people about it. He was preaching in the streets. That was a fairly common idea of communication. They didn't have billboards. They didn't have television. They didn't have any of these communication tools. So they actually talked to each other. So so they were communicating on the streets. And on this particular day, the Apostle Paul is out out on the streets preaching about Jesus. And this man is hearing him. but But he's listening intently. And the Apostle Paul perceives... The scripture says he perceives that this man has faith to be healed. That this man has faith to be healed. I think God wants us to see and perceive what's going on in the world around us. But I think the first idea that I want you to see here is that God wants you and I to see and perceive what's happening in the people near us. What's happening in others. God wants to give you his voice and his, his, the work of his spirit. He wants you to see and perceive what's happening in others. I think we're sent into this world to help people figure out their lives, where they're, wh- what's going on in their lives, uh, perceive when they have faith, perceive this correctly. Now listen, Apostle Paul was, was really at risk here. There was a risk in him speaking to this man and saying, get up on your feet. He was a crippled guy from birth. There was a leap of faith that, that Paul had to take. And so it's, it's sometimes it's risky business to see and perceive what's going on in others' lives. But I think when we take that step of faith, God does something really cool. So he, so he tells the crippled man to stand up on his feet and walk. And, and if he can't walk, then P- Paul's name is Mud. He loses his credibility. Remember, this is not a church service. This is not a, a company of friends. This is not, in fact, it's, it's really among some, some religious enemies. People are not sure whether they can really believe Paul or not, whether they really believe in Jesus. As a matter of fact, the people are so volatile that when the apostle Paul refuses to be worshiped by them a little bit later. Two things happen a little bit later. It's like there's a he starts to do these miracles and people start to worship him. He says, don't, don't do this. 
And then a little bit later, uh, they're so upset by his message that the crowd gets worked up to a frenzy and they, they almost are ready to kill Paul. So one minute they're trying to worship him, the next minute they're trying to kill him. That's how volatile this environment really is. But Paul had a knowledge that surpassed any natural knowledge. He had a confidence by the Holy Spirit that he could speak to this man and he perceived that he had faith to be healed and he said, stand up. And a miracle happened. The ability to see and perceive the will of God means that you're able to see the nature of a situation. You're able to understand what's happening currently. You're, under, you're able to understand what's happening in people's lives. You're able to see it. I think it's one of the highest ways we're led by the Holy Spirit. I've had this happen in my life many, many times uh, because I think this is the most common way that he leads us. And there's a discernment that the Holy Spirit gives you for what's going on in others. And I think one of the great detractors to us paying attention to what's going on in others is we're so consumed with ourselves. We're so busy. We're so distracted. But if you'll, if you'll be attentive, you will hear, you'll see and perceive what's going on in other people. This is God's desire for you. And, and so I, I, I was thinking about this and I was reminded of the story of sitting around a table with a group of brand new friends and they were uh, the leadership team from Perdinalis River Fellowship. Perdinalis River Fellowship is now One Chapel Lake Travis. But they were going through a terrible ordeal. Their pastor had failed morally. They were trying to put the pieces back together. And they had called me to just, to just talk about how to move forward as a church. And so they came and sat in my office and we had a meeting. It was great. And we started to develop this relationship and it was, it was wonderful. I tried to coach them on what I thought they should do next. The second meeting, they asked for a second meeting after that. They came and said, and that second meeting was wanted some more coaching. And they ended up saying in that meeting, so do you think that we might be able to be part of the family of neighborhood churches you're talking about at One Chapel? And I said, no. No, no, we have a plan. We have a, we have a thing we're doing. Like we're planting, we're, we were planting a church in Kyle at that point. We, we, we're going to birth a church out here and we have a plan on how we're going to do this and I don't have time. I don't have time to, that's, I didn't say it. Didn't say it like that. I was thinking all this in my head. I don't have time to mess with this kind of situation because I knew what, was, what, what they were working with, how in trouble they were. And so, but I agreed to pray about it. <laughs> okay, I'll pray about it. And as I prayed about it, I just started to feel like the Holy Spirit was leading us. Well, in our third meeting, we all sat around this table, and it was amazing what God was saying to them through me. And what they were saying to me that was, that was coming from the Holy Spirit. And as we began to talk about it, it was so obvious that God was in the room. I could see and perceive what was going on in their lives and what they needed and what, what, what they were facing and their challenge. And I knew what, they were, what God wanted for their lives. I knew they had an innocent heart and they needed somebody to come alongside of them and help them to restore them, to, to grow. And as I saw that, there was, there was just no going back. 
I could see into their hearts. I could see into their soul. And it was at that meeting that we decided to take the steps forward for them to become part of our church family. It was incredibly meaningful for all of us. They voted 81% to say yes. They they still had to vote. I didn't know if it would happen. I didn't know if it was going to take place. I, I just believed that God wanted us to do something that was investing in this leadership team. And it was so cool to see that. And I think God wants to give us that kind of picture when we're meeting with people, when people are in trouble, when they're facing things. He wants to give us a a, a sight line into their, their experience. And it was so cool celebrating what God has done at One Chapel Lake Travis. They've, they've doubled since that day, one year ago. The church has doubled, and they have to take out chairs, brand new chairs, almost every week to fill the room up. They're getting ready to go to two services at Easter. Then They'll do two services for Easter, and then they'll go to two services permanently in the fall. It is cool what God is doing there, healing a whole group of people and doing something new in that region. Pretty awesome. There's another story like this in Acts 27. If you flip over there a few chapters, Acts 27, it says this, it's a, it's a story, an example of the Apostle Paul again, who was seeing and perceiving God's will. Here the Apostle Paul is now a prisoner. He's been falsely accused by some Jewish leaders. He's, and, and, and so he's, he's appealing to uh, Rome to Caesar because he knows that the, the Jewish leaders are ready to kill him. So he appeals to Caesar and they take him to Caesar. He's a Roman citizen. And so he is, he has a, a right to stand before the highest court in the, in the empire. And so he goes to stand before Caesar in Rome and he's put with other prisoners awaiting his moment to stand. And so they're, 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 taking him to Rome, and so he's in a boat here. Acts 27, verse 9, they're getting, they've had some really bad weather, and they're seeking shelter in the island of Crete. Now, watch this, verse 9. Now, when much time had been spent, and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over. They had spent some time in Crete, and they'd, they'd waited till the fast was over. Paul advised them, verse 10, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. Paul was saying, hey, look, you guys, there's some bad stuff ahead. He was warning them. And, and so he's saying, there's really, there's danger up ahead. I can see this is going to be a real problem. But they wouldn't listen to him. The centurion wouldn't listen to him. So they headed they, to sail towards Rome. And they got into this trip, and they got caught in a huge storm. And, and they were, of course, there's no engines in these boats. It sails all the way. And so their sails start to become ripped. And here's what the Bible says. Over a period of 14 days, it says they couldn't see the sun or the moon. They had no visibility at all. They didn't know where they were. They, they, were, they were wandering in the sea. The waves were coming up over the ship. They were terrified. Everybody in the, in the boat was terrified that no, that no one ate no one ate during these 14 days. They were so afraid. And then the Apostle Paul speaks again. I want you to see this. Watch this. Verse 22. If you go down to verse 22, it says, And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. 
For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail has, gone, has granted you all those who sail with you. No, notice, Paul's been praying about this. Over those 14 days, you know where Paul was? He was in the belly of the ship. He's praying for, for these people. He's praying for God's will. He's praying for revelation. So he amends his earlier uh, of, uh, direction and directive. They've, they've disobeyed the, what Paul has said. They've, they've not listened to him. And so now they're headed, they're in the storm. And then Paul says, no, God spoke to me again. And no loss of life, but here's what we have to do. Look at this, verse 25. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe that God, I believe God, that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. So he's saying, here's what's going to happen. So everybody stay steady. We're going to run aground and you'll all be saved. There were 275 men on this boat. And the angel said to the apostle that the apostle Paul would be saved and the men would be saved with him if they would stay in the boat. Later on, some of the men try to try to get a lifeboat out because they're still afraid. They're try they, they say, we're going we're gonna to get out on this lifeboat and we're going to escape. But the Apostle Paul tells the centurion that if the men leave the boat, they will lose their lives. See, the Apostle Paul could see and perceive that the protection they were getting was from God. It was from his presence. And so if anyone left his presence, they would no longer be protected. And the centurion believes Paul this time, he cuts the ropes off the boats and lets the boats go so none of the men will escape. So first, the centurion's like, nah, the weather will be fine. Now he's listening to every word that Paul is saying and acting on him and separating the lifeboats from the ship. I'd say that the centurion had had a change of heart. He's starting to hear what Paul is saying, and so they stayed with the ship. Look down at verse 41. Check this out, verse 41. But striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable, right? The front of the ship stuck fast, but the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves, and the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them could, should swim away and escape. It's so funny to me, because Paul says, you'll all live unless you get killed by the, by the Romans, right? No, he says, you'll all live, and look at this, verse 43, but the centurion wanting to save Paul kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land, and the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship, and so it was that they all escaped safely to land. Every man made it out alive. I want you to notice that the centurion had a change of heart, began to listen to the voice of the Apostle Paul, and literally saved the men's lives on that ship. So I want you to see this thing that is happening in this story, because the second thing, not only will you see what's happening in people's lives, you can hear God's voice, you can see and perceive what is coming in the future. You'll see and perceive what is coming in the future. This is what the Holy Spirit was doing with Paul. He was giving him a vision of what was ahead, and he was warning people about it. God gives us the ability to see and perceive his will, and he'll give you confidence to go along with it. Jesus talked about this when he described to his disciples how the Holy Spirit would work in our lives. Look at John 16, 13. 
It's there in your message notes. It says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will tell you things to come. See, the Holy Spirit's interested in showing you what's coming so you can get ready. Not just like the book of Revelation or end times and all that kind of stuff. That kind of has this this context of everything's going to be bad. No, the Holy Spirit has good things planned for you, and he wants you to see them ahead. He has purposes for you, and he wants you to see what's ahead. He wants to give you a picture of that. If you look at 1 Corinthians 2.12, it says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. One of the primary reasons God puts his Holy Spirit in us is so that he, we can know what it is that we have, what he's given us, what he's already given us, and what we're supposed to pursue. This is really important because you and I, we can't do everything. We want to do everything. We want to pursue everything. But there are so many options out there in our world. So many options for us in our life. We need some way to calculate, to pursue what God's interested in. If you're not careful, you will find yourself so busy doing so many things. You are ineffective in every way for the kingdom. Even good things. And that's one of the great, devil's greatest tricks is to try to distract you and keep you restless, running from one thing to another. Instead, God wants you to see and perceive what the will of God is for you. This, this happens a lot in our family. Um, you know, when Amy and I are talking, my wife Amy, we are talking about what God wants us to do. And um, over and over again, it seems like she sees it better than I do. When we were considering coming to Austin, I, I hadn't even decided to come to Austin, but I remember the day I, the day I was open to it. It was right here. We were celebrating Amy's birthday. It was right here in, in New Braunfels, and we were here visiting her mom, and we were talking about things. And for a long time, Amy was convinced. She'd already seen it. She'd already seen one chapel's existence. She, was, she believed it. She was like so sure she could see it coming. But I couldn't. And she was, I mean, this was, this was a really challenging time in our marriage because she, she believed we were supposed to go, but she knew that I had to hear it from the Lord. She knew I had to see it. I had to perceive it. So she prayed for me a lot. She put up with me a lot. She was already convinced. But what the Lord was doing was he was healing her heart where we were so she wouldn't bring any of that baggage. That's what was happening. And she was, he was healing her heart, but she already knew. And I remember the moment that I felt like I could perceive it, like I could see it, like God was, it was like her heart had been healed. She had been patient. She had, she had really decided. I remember the trigger was, she was like, we can stay here the rest of our lives. We don't need, we don't have to go anywhere. I'll stand beside you. I'll be with you no matter where we are. She's pretty awesome. And so, and so, so she was just willing to pray for me. And I think it was that trigger. Her heart had been cleaned up. She had settled the issue. She, it was more about um, her being with me than about chasing this dream. But then God spoke to me and it became super clear. I was like, oh, okay, let's do this. And then she was like, I told you so. 
God wants you to see what's out there. He wants you to see what's coming. Because if you can't see what's coming, if you can't perceive it, you can't go to it. You can't go towards it. And sometimes you have to be patient. Sometimes you have to be like Amy where you just have to pray about it. And you can't, you want, you want it to come, but other people's decisions are involved. This whole thing that we're talking about, God is working in imperfect situations in, with imperfect people. The centurion said, no, the weather's gonna be fine. But then he had a change of heart and then his people, his guys could have said, we're gonna kill the prisoners, right? There's other other people's decisions going on all around you, and that, what that means at every point in the journey, you got to be listening to him. You got to be hearing him. You got to be ready to see him. Now go over to uh, the third point, because I think God not only wants us to see the future, he not only wants to see what's happening in other people around us, he wants us to acknowledge the spiritual realities around us. There are spiritual realities all around us. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 1.16. He says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Take your pen and underline that line. The spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power to us who believe. Now that is a prayer you should pray. Put that on your mirror. None of this, now I lay me down to sleep business. Pray this prayer. Pray this prayer for your life. Pray this prayer over your marriage. Pray this prayer over your kids, right? This is a prayer worth praying. And because and the spiritual realities are all around us. And sometimes you, you'll have a hard time understanding the Bible. Pray this prayer. God will answer it and help, help you see and perceive what the word of God actually says. He wants you to re write things down and remember what he's saying to you for yourself. As you pray this prayer, you'll be able to see things about life. You'll see things you've never seen before. See, you're in a relationship with God and he wants to tell you things, but you're, you and I, we have to learn, we have to grow. And this idea of perceiving what's coming, it's a powerful idea. There are spiritual realities all around us and we just need to be attentive, ready, prepared. And it works just like when I was telling you the story of me getting up in the chair earlier, right? And then I stepped on the armrest. You could see what was coming, couldn't you? You saw it. You saw me falling. This is the way it works in your life with God. You can see what's coming next. He wants to show you. He wants to help you perceive the will of God with all the spiritual dynamics around you. So important for each of us to be ready to do this. Amy and I have been praying for our neighbors for the last 18 months, you know around here, I've, I've had a big revelation about how if we will just be great neighbors, if we will love our neighbors as we love ourselves, that the seeds of the gospel are in that relationship. They have to be because you, as you care for someone, they get to know you and you get to know them. There's a really important thing there. And so we've, we've not been really good at it. You know, as pastors, it's like I, when, you, when you talk to people all day and you deal with problems, and you, the last thing you want to do is go home and talk to your neighbors about their problems. But, but so, so we haven't been necessarily great at it, but we've been praying about it and making inroads, like just trying to be available, trying to be intentional. And this week, one of our neighbors we've been praying for texted Amy 
and texted her and said, I, I, am, I don't know what to do. My daughter wants to marry a boy I've barely met. She's not including me in the process. I'm trying to figure out how can I deal with this? What do I do? As she said, as soon as I heard this, I thought of you guys. And I, I, need to, I need to know what to do. Will you sit down and talk with me? And we arranged the time to sit down and talk. And, and this week on my front porch, we sat with this sweet woman. She's a single mom. And the story is so, it's so difficult. There's such damage in their history and hurts and wounds. And there's all this stuff. And it takes time to kind of peel all that away. But I could see as we were having the conversation, this was a moment that we've prayed for. This was a moment where I knew this was God speaking into this woman's life and we're talking about all these things and I could see it. And as I spoke, as Amy spoke, you could see tears forming in her eyes because we were speaking to her about her. We aren't just trying to give advice about how to deal with her daughter, although that was important. It was, it was we were speaking life into her heart about what she needed and, and what she was wrestling with. It was an incredible time and a great moment and we got to stand there and pray for her actually we were sitting there and we we, we just kind of gathered around her and 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 put our hands on her and prayed for her right there on our front porch i've been praying for that it took a long time to get there it took a long time to get to pray with one of our neighbors to deal with a a difficult situation but I could see it coming and I could perceive what was happening in her in that moment. And that was the Holy Spirit directing. And I, I was so cool because we read her mail and she was like, it was so cool. This is what God has for each one of us. Every one of us are called to be ready, to be available, to hear, to see, to perceive. And I want you to take out that card that you came in and saw, seated it on your chair. I want you to see this card right here, this little Easter card. On one side, it shows you um, what our Easter services are. But on the other side are, th are three names. And I want the band to come up right now, and, and I want them to, to play a worship song. We're just going to take a few moments. And I want you to look at the back of that card, and I want you to think about who you've been praying for. And if you haven't been praying for anybody because your life is so crazy yourself, you're like, oh, then you, you ask the Lord who you should pray for. You ask God who you should pray for. If you don't have one of these cards, get one from the ushers. And I want you to, I want you to listen to God's voice. I want you to pray for somebody to invite them to Easter. Easter is one of the best times to invite people to church. It's one of the easiest times. It is such a, a wonderful thing. And, and it's as easy as just saying, hey, are you going somewhere to church for Easter? If you don't have a place, I'd love for you to come with me. I think you got to pray about those kinds of conversations. And, you, and it, was a, it was a long time for us with our neighbors. I get to invite this lady to Easter. I've never invited her to church. You know how weird it is to be invited to church by the pastor. It's like, it's like pressure. It's like, no, I, I've never, I, I have never invited her to church. I've just made investments. We've just tried to establish a relationship. And this, now I get to. She asked me what to do. Now I'm going to encourage her to come with us. This is a powerful thing. I want you to pray about who these people are in your circle. All right? Father, I just come to you and